Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the From the Finney podcast with Ollie, Jimmy, me, Jake, and there's also a podcast debut with George Hodgson, the PE reporter at Lance Live, joins us. In this episode, we'll discuss the home defeat against Birmingham, people calling for the manager's head, we've got a Neil Mellor voice note, and also our monthly review section before finishing by looking ahead to Reading on Wednesday. Enjoy! fellas how are we good good mate good good jimmy you good yeah having a bit of a weekend mate but uh <laughs> yeah the joys of parenthood that is mate so but yeah we crack on are they the original harry potter books behind you by the way i've not a clue um don't ask paul <laughs> elliott to look at my bookcase uh, this is a different one um no I'm it's the longest i've missed for years it's alongside the Mr. Men books that he keeps referring to and uh, Tiger came for tea. So. Fair enough. Anyway, um, yeah, so as I said, we've got we've got a podcast debut today. We're joined by George from Lanks Live. Um, how are you, mate? Are you good? Yeah, good. Good to be on. Thanks good. for having us on. No problem. No problem at all. Uh, just a quick question for you. How are you finding it going into grounds at the minute? Um... I think for about two or three games, it was pretty cool. Uh, obviously, a lot of my friends are North End fans, my family as well. So it was sort of cool to be the only one there. And sort say, of, was that was that not a bit of a stick to beat them with sometimes? Yeah, I think one of my mates goes to all the away games, so he was he was dead jealous. But the novelty sort of soon wore off. Um, and I know everyone who's not been there will be desperate to be there, but they're not missing much, I'll be honest, other than not being in detail or whatever, the actual games are pretty pretty boring atmosphere, nothing, as everyone's sort of been saying for the last few months. Yeah. Yeah, the the goal at home came. Uh, so that's that monkey off our backs. Jim, let's hope you were right in saying that once one comes, they'll all come. But obviously, points are still evading us at Deepdale. Yeah, it's a funny game really, weren't it? Because, I mean, we have created chances and I think if Alan Brown scores that effort at 1-1 when he's back heel, when he's got all the time in the world, it's a different game. You know, you're going in 2-1 at half-time, you know, they've then got to come at your second half and I suppose that's when we're at our best, when teams are having to chase us because we're in front so we can pick them off. You know, you look at the amount of goals we score on the counter-attack and when we're in front, you know, we tend to put if if make it one in front, we go two in front, and I think, yeah, if that chance goes in yesterday, then it's a completely different game, and we're talking about our first win of the season now rather than you know a fifth defeat in the league in a row. And is it, it's, yeah, um, and I think it's just it's fine margins in it, and it's just one of them where you, odd one, isn't it, the brown one? Because he just sort of snaps at it. I, uh, the only thing I can think is that he doesn't realise he's maybe got a bit more time than yeah. 
than he thought. Could That's have turned, it is, isn't it? Could have turned yeah. and could yeah. have had the whole goal to aim at. But we had three massive chances at 1-1. We had, Jimmy's just mentioned Browns in the first half. Galley slid Barkey in second half. Decent save. And then I'd, I'd back Brown to score a header from there most times. Scored a few headers, Annie. he? Um, so, yeah, just very disappointing. But like you said, I think in, in, in all the away games we've won, when we've gone ahead, we've extended the lead. Mm-hmm. Because teams have to come out and try and score against us. And that's when we're so dangerous. So I think if, if we'd have got the 2-1 yesterday, I think the shackles might have come off a bit. But can't defend the box again. Um, neither goal is a good goal, is it? It's The first one's a shambles. Yeah, from um, start to finish, really, isn't it? And then you're 1-0 down after a minute at home. And you're thinking, here we go again. And then the last, the last goal in the last 10 minutes... You, you can't give a man a, a free header eight yards out. It's criminal, isn't it, really? Um, I think the players have got to take a lot of responsibility because the manager's changed it. We've, we have opened it up a bit more. We've created more. We've missed chances at key times and we've gifted two goals. So it's easy to pin all the blame on the manager, but Brownie said it after the game. I think the players have got to take some responsibility and I think they do, to be fair, because could have easily won that game yesterday. I think we should have won it, to be honest. I don't think you could have complained with a draw. I think nah. they set up all right, to be fair. But, you know, they're not a great side, to be honest. It's it's a game we should be winning. Um, I think it changed when Fisher went off. Yeah. I, hate to, I hate to keep saying it, but he offered us so much in that first 65 minutes. Um, just very disappointing when he went off. And then it was just a catalogue catalog of, not errors, but just poor moments weren't it really so pressure's massively on him now from large sections of the fan base yeah yeah I think it was a, a 15 minutes to forget weren't it losing and Gally had run out of legs then you lose Dan, Dan Elm and Andrew Hughes gets injured and it's yeah. just a bad 15 minutes of fo- uh, in our season that. Uh, I was just going to say we nearly yeah, lost down. Down, didn't we yeah so Funny it's one, just couldn't, couldn't I think just cram, hopefully. Mm. I thought oh, I no. thought the worst. Yeah. Me, I thought the worst when I saw the road won me. Mm. So did I. He looked in real sort of pain. Like it was, I think it was his knee. He was holding. It yeah. looked a root, It looked a fairly routine save. It wasn't a powerful shot or anything, but he sort of he wasn't getting up anytime soon. I, I was surprised he carried on. To be fair, yeah, we all we all said we thought it was going to be a dodgy one. Yeah, Ripley was stripped, weren't he? Ripley had, had got ready because yeah. it was him and Reese alongside each other. Yeah, alongside each other, and it was yeah, it was touch and go for me. But obviously, hopefully, he's all right for Wednesday because hasn't he carried a knock as well? I think you yeah. mentioned Ollie that he's carried a bit of a knock for a couple of games, and yeah, I just hope it isn't his knee. So looked a little bit walking wounded last ten, didn't we? To be honest, oh, um, yeah, it was. I think it was might have been the fifth game in fifteen days. I think so. You know. Hughes went down. I think Brown's played basically every minute of the season. Um, obviously, Galli had to go off. Darnell, um, not sure Bauer was 100%. So, a few question marks going into Wednesday night, but I'm sure we'll touch on that later. I was surprised to see Bauer start, to be honest, considering what Alex Neal said after the game during the week. I'm not, sure we, can go, I'm not sure we can go with Story and, and, and Hunt from the start, if we don't have to. It's only spewing up. It's not like he's injured. Like... You don't. You don't need you, energy levels are somewhat 
you can probably get away with at centre back more than anywhere else on the pitch. So mm. I think he was always going to start, weren't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, that that opening goal. Then it was. I mean, it, it started from I think because I wasn't I wasn't actually watching. Uh, no, that's Harrop, a shock. Harrop giving the ball away. In fairness, I had to nip round to my granddad's because he couldn't get it on. Uh, fair enough. So, to to him him so Josh Harrop's running on the left side is on a, one of his three dribbles yesterday, um, and. To be fair, he hasn't got many options inside, but he could come back. And he's just trying to force it for me. He's just like, he's trying to do too much. And it probably doesn't help that he's not played that much this season either. And he's probably trying to make a bit of an impression for himself, like trying to take on a man, but losing it there. And then it's a simple clip ball and we just don't deal with it. It's just really bad defending. Um and Jordan Story's just ball watching again. He's just like it's if it was the first time it had happened this season, we could sort of get it you could sort of get away with it. But we're talking, you know, at four, five, six times this season, he's he's been ball watching, he's got punished for it. And you're just gonna you, you get punished at this level when you make a mistake if you're a centre half, unfortunately. And I I just want him to I want him to improve, but it's just really becoming a frustration for me because if it was the first time, fair enough. But we're nine games in, and you can probably put the story at fault for at least five or six goals, and that's a big concern for me. I think Leco's pace absolutely did him, didn't it? I think it just took him by surprise. I know Harrop lost the ball, but I think we had six v two behind the ball on the turnover, so you can't concede when you got six v two behind the ball. Uh-huh. Seven, seven if you include deck. So, yeah, I think Story struggled all day with either pace from Leco or just a bit of physicality from. Yukovic. Um yeah, I don't want to pin too much on him, but he, he lost his man for the second goal as well. That's what I mean. Um, this is why it's becoming a frust- more of a frustration because yeah. you look at them two, then you look at the Swansea game, mm-hmm. Cardiff game, Stoke yeah, at home as well. Stoke at home. It's like we could, we've played five games at home in the league, yeah. and you could probably put half the goals conceded at home down to him. And it's like, yeah. come on, I you know. I'm, and I don't want to go. I don't want to be negative about it but I'm just getting really frustrated by it because yeah. this is good this is it, we're in the shit at home Let, let's not beat around the bush you know five defeats in a row is unacceptable at home yeah I think I think for me what, what I'm starting to see is I think Ben Davis makes the other centre-backs look better mm. started to see it last couple of games I think that Story and uh, Bauer for me are just dual players the win duels and Ben Davis will mop up anything that goes behind them and I think when he's not there, when they're relying on each other to get him out of it, I think they do struggle a bit as a partnership. Um, so people have said, not really missed the Bens, but I think we are starting to really see how valuable they both are. Cause... We missed Pearson massively in the week. Yeah, I think in the week, Car- uh, Millwall set drops on us. Um, touched on it a bit with my piece. But yesterday, to be fair to Neil, he's gone DJ and Galli as, as his double pivot. So he has sort of sacrificed that part of the game, but uh, yeah, you just you need you just you can't be given goals away like that. It's just one clean sheet in twenty four. I think I've seen today at home. Um, I'll yeah, be interesting. I'll be interested. Enough, interested to see how many we've conceded with Fisher, Bauer, Davis, and Hughes as the back four compared to when it hasn't been. Because I think 
when you take away a couple of the back four, the back four suddenly looks quite weak. I don't think we've played many games with that back four. No, probably because have you, if you lose you lose Fisher to injury yeah. or suspension for yeah. half a season. Yeah, You've, you, you know, then you sort of look at it, and it's like you said today about the fullback situation. Alex Neal has identified fullbacks he wants to bring into the club in the past couple of windows, and we, we haven't got him. And you see it when Fisher goes off yesterday; it's a different game. Yeah, like, Rafferty, you know, and I know you've put something on Twitter last night about Rafferty's positioning. It's just so safe and. It's very frustrating. Very frustrating. Yep. He's so much more central compared to Fisher, isn't he, when he comes on? But that's because he's not getting forward. It's because no, he's, he's limited. Exactly. He's lim- it's because he's so limited as a, as a fullback. Mm. You know, he's, he's a defensive fullback and he just lacks that probably confidence and ability to really make an impact in the final third. Yep. You know, you look at how many times Fisher touched the ball in the final third yesterday. It's mm. frightening, you know. He's he's actually he's, he's so we're so we're so much further up the pitch when he's playing. Mm. It, you know, you can't just have this flat back four and with with Rafferty and Hughes. Well, and, and to be fair to Andrew Hughes, I didn't think he was that bad yesterday. But when he's limited with his injury, yeah. he can't get up the pitch. So you've got a back four for that last fifteen minutes that are so deep, and because they're so limited in terms of how they can pu- push us up the pitch, it means that we start sinking deeper and deeper, and then. Bang, we get hit by a hammer blow in the 80, 80th minute. I forgot what minute it was, play 85th or something like that. I know he'd only been on a minute or two, Gardner, when he scored. But it's because we've yeah. sunk so deep. Yeah, I think Fisher showed his value yesterday. I think everyone can see it, really, can't he? I think, looked at some stats today. 15 games last season, uh, Fisher played at Deepdale. 30 points from 15 games. Um Two points a game. If you take if you take away Fisher from last season at Deepdale and this season, zero point eight three points per game. So it's frightening. You go from top six to relegation side with and without him. Um, and I think if you look at the long balls, he completed six out of ten long balls yesterday because they're not just percentage passes into the channels. He fires them in and he gets us up the pitch. And obviously the cross to Brown's an unbelievable cross. So when 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 he goes off, it is worrying how much you know we look like a weaker side without him on the pitch. It's a massive worry for me. Do you think that's him out of midweek? I'd be surprised to be honest. Yeah, um, I think it was a case of Alex Neil goes, uh, "Day is that you done?" And he says, "Yeah," and he sort of just walks off and couldn't really tell if he was holding his hamstring or not. But um, if you've got cramp, surely you'd maybe try and stretch it out a bit or something. Mm. It's sort of nah, I'm off. So. Uh, yeah, he yeah, seemed he seemed to know straight this. away, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. And I don't think they've rushed him back either. So um, it's a bit. It's been over a month, hasn't it, since he since he was injured first time. So yeah. it's a bit of a worry um, that he does keep getting these injuries. But like you say, he does get right up the pitch and probably exerts himself more than the other fullbacks. And I don't know. I don't think they've rushed him back though. So I'm not sure what else they could have done. Um, but he was a he was a really big miss when he went off. I think, Do you think then, Jake, um, I think we mentioned the other week the longest stretch of games he's ever put together is eight in a row. Which is, it's not no. a lot, is it? No. It's nothing, it's nothing is it? No. So, it's a big concern. Do you think then, obviously, the the, the fullbacks is, is a problem area? With with Hughes sort of presumably out midweek with his with his injury, do you think then that there's sort of you can flip that with, with, with Earl coming in? Yeah, I think Earl's a natural, natural sort of one to come in, isn't he? Um, 
if Fisher's injured as well, because you put Rafferty to left back, and then you've maybe having to sacrifice Brown or something like that. So, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I was going to. It's, it's a funny one, really, because obviously we've got issues at centre half as well. I, I can see him going three at the back against Reading. I can see him going with Earl, Story, and Bauer. But then obviously, yep. it's who you put as your, as your wing backs. So do you go with Barkey and Brown? Uh, do you go with Barkey and Rafferty? Or, uh, it's just a tough one to call, isn't it? Because uh, yeah. then you're putting square pegs in round holes to, to try and get through another game against a team that are flying at the minute. And yeah, there's opportunities at Reading for me. Um, I've been watching a couple of the games this season, but it's it's just really frustrating that got, it shows our how limited we are in, in terms of depth because then yeah. you get as soon as you get past that first sort of 13, 14 players you you, you then put in yeah. pretty average players into your team or yeah. players that haven't played a lot and it's yeah. that's the issue you know that's the yeah. issue for me. we said it for months haven't we let's be honest yeah. our squad depth is going to catch us out yeah. eventually so and then what happens Jimmy is you start having to shoehorn players in to keep your better players in you have to stop putting Brown at wing back or Rafferty at left back or whatever um, I think Ben Davis, if he's fit, I think they'll probably try and push him to be fit for Wednesday. Because I think he might go to a back three, but you can't really go to a back three unless Davis is fit, I don't think. So, yeah, I agree especially with Jimmy. If Hughes is out, especially yeah. if Hughes is out, because you, you've got to have a balanced back three. You can't have three right footers as yeah. your three centre half. So. Absolutely. You need Davis if you're going to play a back three, I think. But I think Earl probably should come in. Like, just if Hughes isn't fit, it's like for like, isn't it? Just, yeah. He's, he's waiting his chance or whatever. So I think you just need to use Earl now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can come on to that toward toward the end of this. Um, yeah. Well, I'll hand you all over to Neil Meller and let you, you have a listen to what he thought about the game yesterday. Uh, he was there for Sky Sports. So, yeah. Take it away, Neil. Hi, it's Neil Meller here, former Preston's number 33. I was at the game yesterday against Birmingham and... I arrived at the ground with great hope that Preston can get the first home points of the season and, of course, get the first goal. And I got to see one of them, which was the, the first home goal of the season, which was an absolute beauty, wasn't it? From from Stockley, from distance, no chance for the goalkeeper. And I think when that goal went in, the game changed because Birmingham, for me, were the better side in the early stages, got an early goal and could perhaps have added to that lead. But once Stockley had got the equalising goal, Preston were the better side for me. Finished strongly in the first half. Big chance for Brown. Could have maybe taken a touch. Brilliant pass from Galley to find him inside the penalty area. Didn't take that one. And then in the second half, I thought Preston started the brighter and didn't get the goal, went on top. And that was the big thing for me in in terms of the outcome of the result. There was a couple of big chances. Bart Kazen, which... I think he should do better. I know it's a good save, but he takes too long. That allows the goalkeeper to get set and make the save. And then Brown, a few moments later, had a header just over the top. And for me, Preston didn't get the goal win on top. And that was the difference. Birmingham stayed in the game at 1-1. And then Preston switched off defensively to allow a free header for the sub-gardener. He'd only been on a few moments. Free header from six yards. And, and that was the match winner, which was certainly frustrating to uh, to see because Birmingham aren't a great championship side. So, so that's where it was disappointing for Preston. Um, the home form, I can't explain it, but it's frustrating. I think 
everyone suffering in football at the moment with the lack of fans there and the lack of home advantage and it certainly does impact that on the players it feels flatter to be inside the stadium knowing that the fans aren't there to support the players and, and the players are suffering at the moment because of that I think it will turn around of course um, but watching the game Preston were better than what I have seen in recent home games created more opportunities um, but it's that lack of clean sheets again at Deepdale that's one in 24 games the only one was I think it was the last home game wasn't it against Birmingham last season and, and you can't keep um, conceding goals at home because it gives too much then for the attacking players and as we know Preston aren't creating enough chances in the final third to really cause teams problem but I thought the creativity was better yesterday I always feel with Harrop I think he will create things Galley as well I think in the team Stockley was isolated for me for large periods there was crosses coming into the penalty area he was the only one in there which was frustrating easy to defend against you know I look at Jukovic for Birmingham and he's he's a proper championship centre forward he's a handful he holds the ball up and is a real presence for them and, and that's where Stockley has to try and get himself to eventually as for the manager Alex Neil, I felt as though that was the best bit of business Preston did in the summer I know Preston fans were desperate for, for players to come in and, and obviously Reese did the centre forward who, who needs time to settle. But to keep Alex Neal, who is a top championship manager, was good business from Preston. I know there's frustrations at the moment because Preston are struggling at home. But Alex Neal has kept Preston away from relegation trouble. You think about the budget Preston have compared to a lot of teams in the championship, teams who've been in the Premier League. And Alex Neal, for me, has done a very, very good job. A couple of times, very nearly getting Preston into the playoffs and for Preston to get into the playoffs it would be a great story so there's still hope still believe that can be achieved um, but for me Alex Neal has to stay there one area Preston do need to improve on though is clean sheets at home and more creativity hopefully when the fans get back that will help but that doesn't seem to be happening in the near future so um, I was disappointed to go to Deepdale to see Preston lose again hopefully things can improve soon Cheers for that Neil yeah so Obviously, I think, Ollie, you've mentioned it already, but Neil mentioned in that little section there that Birmingham aren't a great championship side, and I think that's one of the most disappointing things about yesterday. Yeah, someone asked me not to start the podcast today by giving credit to the other team. Um, but if you look at the other teams who've come to Deepdale, Swansea, Stoke, Cardiff and Millwall, I think they are all decent sides, and people forget that there are two teams on the pitch. It's not just 11 men trying to score into an open goal. But I didn't think Birmingham were a good side, like Neil Mellor said. Um, pretty stodgy, defensive, negative side, I think. And that's probably the first game that I would really expect us to win comfortably at home yesterday. Um, so, yeah, it's massively disappointing, especially when events conspire against you like they did in the last 20 minutes. Probably just settle for a point. Yeah. Just, just stop the rot. But, yeah, very disappointing to lose against that stature of side because that just piles of pressure on. Yeah, I think they were better than I expected them to be because I expected them to be horrible and they weren't as horrible as I was expecting. They're not I th- great. I thought I thought they'd be more solid defensively, me. I thought you looked like you could really get at the back three first half, but just not a good side, I don't think. No, they're, they're going to be bottom half, aren't they, let's be honest. Um, and we should have aspirations of putting two or three past a team like that. Um, obviously, he's changed it yesterday to open the game up a little bit more, which is it's good to see. To be fair, you know he's actually got after a team at home. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I can't blame the manager for the first goal because it's individual errors. Um, 
you know, and we've actually we've created. Are you really blaming for the second one though? You can coach them better, can't you? You can coach them better to get out of that. But then again, it's it's confidence in it. I don't know if Story's trying to step out. I don't know what he's doing. Mm. If you look at the goal again, he gets attracted to the man in front of him, and Gardner just ghosts him between the centre backs. So, but we do concede a lot of goals from crosses, Jake. So there's something tactically there. Yeah. Watch um watch how late DJ is to get out to the guy who crosses it. By yeah. the way. Yeah. He was knackered, weren't he, DJ? Yeah. What's that? Is that three games in a in a row now? Four games in a row? Basically yeah. from the cold as well. Yeah. It's because he don't have any quality in his squad. He has to put DJ in there. Don't yeah. trust anyone else, does he? So tough. Yeah. Um another another comment uh, that Neil Mellor made was about he thinks that some of the best business we did in the summer was managing to keep hold of Alex Neil. Obviously, after yesterday's game, there's been, I'm not going to say a lot, but there's been sections of the fan base on social media and I presume on the forum as well, because that's normally a, um, somewhere that it happens, but I haven't been on there myself to have a look. Uh, calling for the manager's head, saying that his time's up. Um, it's something that I think is probably going to come up on the podcast numerous times this season. But as long as Alex is here, where, uh, in fact, no, that's the wrong question because I know exactly where you two stand. Um, George, I'm assuming that you stand in the same camp as well and and, are an Alex Neil in man. Um, But yeah, well, well, I suppose, where do you stand with with fans coming for Alex Neil and and getting the knives out for him? Um, I think everyone's entitled to their opinion, aren't they? Um, I think I have to say if I, if I didn't have Twitter or anything like that, I wouldn't even have been considering. Like I wouldn't even that wouldn't even cross my mind that he'd be, yeah. he'd, his job might be in danger. So I think you know everyone's stuck at home, aren't they? Fed up, they're not at games. Go on Twitter. A few people have said get rid of him, and maybe I don't know. Are people jumping on sort of a bandwagon, or do they actually think that's the right thing to do? Um, I think more people don't want him sacked, don't they? I don't, I don't think we're even close to that stage yet, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I don't think the club would even, if they saw that, I think people at the club would laugh thinking yeah. getting rid of him. Um, I mean, yes, five home, how bad is five home games? When you when you say that out loud, lost all five home games, scored one one goal. Um, but you, don't, you don't get sacked on just home games, do you? You've got, you play all man away and so far away, they've been, I think they've been brilliant pretty much in every game. So, you know, maybe if they lose the next five home games and pick up one point away, you might be in trouble. But for me, we're not even close to that territory yet. Yeah. I think the, the there's always going to be a, a minority of our fan base that's very vocal about things. And they're always going to make sure they're heard. It's like, so it is everywhere. But if you look at how many people it is, it's probably 30, 40 people rather than, you know the majority of the mm-hmm. fan base yeah yeah and I, I think yeah don't be wrong the home form's absolutely shocking you know last 10 games we've lost eight and that's on you can't really defend that uh, but then you put it with the away form you know we've picked up 16 points away in the last 10 games which is up there in the top you know it's in the top six of our league in terms of away form so yeah the home form isn't great I'm pretty sure the manager will want that fixing but because who wouldn't um, 
but I think you've got to look at the bigger picture and look at the last 20 games, for example. You know, we're picking up a point a game. You know, we're, we're ticking over. Yeah, it's not fantastic when you look at that home form. You know, picking up four points from 10 games at home. But you you can't just look at the home games in isolation. You've got to put it in, in you know, in a full context. And you look at some of the teams who played at home as well. Yeah, you know, it's not been an easy run those last ten games by any stretch of the imagination. So, yeah, it's it's one of them. You know, I, I'm definitely not calling for his head. I think he, stuff does need to improve quite clearly. Um, I think if we lose these next two, uh, social media is going to be an absolute nightmare. But what can you do? I, I, I hope that the guys in the well-paid positions at the club and the owner support him still. The concern with some people with the home form is that it, it goes a bit further back than since it went behind closed doors. I think I can't think of many games, even when fans were in, they beat, they beat Hull, was it? Um, they beat, there, was, there was another win at home where I don't think they were particularly great. Um, so I don't, even when fans were in, I don't, I'm not sure North End were playing too well at home. I don't think that goes back to sort of January time, to be honest. Yeah, even, even for the whole of last season, I can't, battered Barnsley, didn't they? But the second half against Rovers, but all the sort of good performances that you can think of tend to be away. So I think it's a, a deeper problem that the goal maybe goes a bit further back than people think. Yeah. I think it's that creativity piece though as well, isn't it? Because we're just lacking that a bit of spark at some times at home and teams are coming in, they're putting men behind the ball, they're making us they're making it hard to, to break them down and sometimes we're just not answering that question and games can be a little bit boring at home. You know, I think, because, and it takes two to tango, doesn't it, really? You know, you look at how teams have come, in, come to deep down, just sat in, relied on getting a goal on the break. I, mean, I remember that Reading team that beat us 2-0 and they just literally sat so deep and then you give Charlie Adam the ball and next minute the ball's in back at net and it's like, oh, God, well, that's yeah. predictable. Um, <laughs> Jimmy, I think, it's... I think the uh, the Reading and the, and the, and the, there was a Borough game as well. I think there were three or four days apart. It was Christmas, it was like 28th of December, then New Year's Day or something. Both of them came and played with a back five and both got wins. And I think since then, I think pretty much 80-90% of away teams have played a back five at Deepdale. And we just, it's the same personnel as as last season. We just can't break it down. Um, And it's a massive worry because you can't see us signing many players in January, can you really, to to, to change it? himself on the podcast, he doesn't like change yeah but but when teams have caught on to you and you know we're our best when we're pressing open teams who take risks and can score quickly teams just aren't doing that at Deepdale I don't can't remember the last time a team came and opened the pitch up properly at Deepdale um, and obviously that's no justification for all the home defeats but I don't think it's as simple as saying you can just play the same home and away and expect the same results so I think it's three defeats in 17 away games, by the way. Um, so I've seen people saying the away form can't continue. There's two things you can say to that. You can say it's three defeats in 17. Two of those defeats coming at West Brom and Fulham, who are now in the Prem. The other at Brentford, who were a very good side last season. Um, or you can say the home form isn't going to be as bad as it is continuing. So Yeah, there's a flip side to every coin, isn't there? I think it's it's never as bad as people think it is, and it's probably never as good as people think it is. So, probably is somewhere in between. Like we, we aren't going to win 
every away game. We're not going to lose every home game. Um, and people saying he's not changed it. He's gone three five two against Stoke with wingers at wing back. Barky sent off after twenty minutes. He's gone four four two in, in in some spells. DJ and Galley deeper yesterday. He's tried Stocky up front, Reese up front, Maguire up front. Like match Huddersfield up away from home as well. Yeah, I don't know how much more he can change it. Like he can go four four two, obviously, but uh, hey, how do you go four four two and not be a massive risk on transition against three at the back? So. Yeah. Why do you think there's such a myth amongst some fans that uh, not a myth, but such an, an outcry from some fans wanting four four two and and sort of acting like that'll be the answer to all our problems? Because they're living in the Stone Age. Fair enough. That's that one done. <laughs> uh, no, it's Mike Bassett, isn't it? It's Mike Bassett tactics. It's it's like yeah. two, it's like the year two thousand, and teams play four four two, and you give it your wingers, you know, you give it your fullbacks, and you've got two big centre midfielders in in team like Sean Gregan. I'm not being funny. Football's moved on. We're twenty. It's twenty years ago that twenty yeah. years. It's a long time. Ollie was still bloody in nappies. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Jimmy, Jimmy, if you if you play four four two, you need wingers, which we don't have, or you need fullbacks who are going to bomb on and offer your width, and we don't have them either. So we've, we've got the we've got two League One fullbacks, right? Mm. And that offers nothing going forward, and all of a sudden we're thinking, oh, that's right, we'll go four four two with wingers. We don't have him. Yeah, we don't have the personnel to play four four two. Yeah. So we need to just take a bit of a, a reality check, really, on terms of that. I did something today in terms of research, by the way, um, about lockdown. So obviously lockdown's played a massive part for us, for, for me. We've got the same points per game as Blackburn Rovers, and you don't see any of them calling for Tony Mowbray's head, right? They think, you know, they think they're going to get promoted. They've got the Ballon d'Or winner in Tyrese Dolan sitting on the bench, you know, <laughs> and no one's calling for his head. They've got the same amount of points as us in the last 18 games. So, yeah. you know, I look at the other teams that are around us. You know, Derby, less points per game since lockdown. QPR, less points per game. It, Nottingham Forest, Cardiff. less points per game. Yeah. Cardiff have got um, a few more than us per game because they had that massive run towards the end of last season. But since we locked down and since yeah. March, when whenever it stopped after that QPR game, we're about 15th in the league per game. And that yeah. includes the new teams coming down. So... Um, you know, Bournemouth, Norwich and Watford are in the top six for points per game in this league. Um, and then you've got Rotherham, Coventry and Wickham, unsurprisingly, in the bottom five. Yeah. So I, I think for, for myself, we do, if, if teams come in, we've got to find a solution for when a team comes in and parks the bus to actually get at them. And, you know, he went for it a little bit more yesterday. He made the game more open and it was by design that because he's, he's had two more advanced play, playmakers in the middle of the park in DJ and Galley, you know, and he said it himself, you know, I knew that we're going to have to take risks to try and open the game up. So what more do we want? Yeah, we conceded two shit goals yesterday. Can we, if we look at them in isolation, we don't concede them goals, we win the game. Alan Brown puts the ball in the net when it, at 1-1, we win the game. It's just really frustrating and it's just luck for me. That That's just, that's just bad luck and it'll turn. And people say like, you keep going on about the process that we're meant to be trusting. Well, we've got a young manager. He's 39 years old. He's going to make mistakes, but at least he's he's trying to rectify these mistakes at the minute. He's gone through them yesterday. He's actually gone for a game, and then he's got two shocking injuries in the past last last quarter of the game, and it's cost us. Yeah. Just really frustrating. What I'd say as well is, 
if you look, just look at the big five, so including Fisher in it, out of a possible 45 starts in the league, the big five have only started 25, 25 games between them. So 50% of the time they've not been available. When you take them out of our team, are we really much more than a mid-table championship team? Like We're definitely not. So, yeah, the home forms, for me, it's as simple as we can't break down deep blocks. And now managers know it. Alex Neal's basically said it himself, Fanny. Like we do yeah. struggle to find a solution. So as long as the personnel remains the same, I'm not sure. You know, he's he's gonna keep trying different things. You just need a bit of luck. I thought we might have had it when Stockley scores a worldie from thirty yards. I thought that might have been a bit of luck that you need, but just can't keep conceding shocking goals. Yeah. It, we can't we, we don't keep a clean sheet at home. So, you know, it's very tough to score two goals against a back five, isn't it? Yeah, we've said um, it. We've said it multiple times in the past. We can't keep relying on our forwards to keep having to bail us out yeah. at home. What, what I'd say as well is, if you look at the the, the first twenty percent of the season's gone now, so we played nine games. The points per game of the opposition has been one point seven one. So if you if you go across the board, all twenty four, that's the toughest schedule on paper that any teams had. Um, obviously, going to Reading as well on. Wednesday, you've probably got 2.2 points per game or something. So it don't get any easier on Wednesday. But we have had a tough start. People don't want to hear it because they're not interested in the opposition. But we have had a tough start. We're sitting 16th in the league. We can't break down deep blocks. You know, a lot of the big five have been missing. Um, and that's that, really. But that, that's just where we are, I think. Um, yeah. So there's not too much I can say. But we're going to touch on the October stuff in the second half. But we're doing bang average and that's no reason to sack a manager who in my opinion has been hung out to dry to a certain extent. Yeah, no, I'm completely with you on that. Completely with you. Um, Right. I think it's brew time, fellas. The From the Finney podcast is brought to you in partnership with our title sponsor, Lanks Live. Lanks Live is the most popular news source in the county and is run entirely by a local team who all care dearly about the areas in which they live. On to matters football, specifically Preston North End, and George Hodgson is their man at Deepdale. He's a North End fan, and he asks the questions that the fans want answered. The best thing about Lanks Live is that the news is all free to read, and the best way to keep on top of it all is by downloading the app or signing up to the newsletter. Head on over to lanks.live and sign up today. To stay up to date with all the latest news coming from Deepdale, follow their dedicated Twitter account, at PNE Live. And now, back to the podcast. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we've got our monthly review section and we'll finish by looking ahead to Wednesday night's game against Reading. So, yeah, we'll... we'll We've had a bit of a, a moany first half, so we'll start with some positivity. Uh, what was what was your best moment of the month then, lads? Um, Ollie, I'll go to you first. Um, if we can include non-footballing stuff, then Emil Reese arriving on a private jet. You have to take your hat off to the club for that. It was good use of social media. Absolutely. Um, three years after um, Jordan left, finally got a replacement in. And I think he looks very good. Obviously, he's had to have a rest yesterday. Um, but 
he played a massive part in those two away wins, QPR and Huddersfield. Um, yeah. Give us a completely different dimension up front. Scare the life out of them two uh, defences, I think. So yeah, that was a good signing for us and long overdue. And going forward in the next, however long he'll be here, I think he'll be um, a big asset for us. So yeah, that was um, best your moment, moment of, the of the month. George, what was what was your moment of the month? Uh, probably Parts against Brentford. Um, one, because I probably screamed Brentford's new stadium down when it went in. Um, <laughs> secondly, just Brentford. I think it, was, it might have been a second goal when they huddled at Brentford um, together. And I thought that were great. I love that. It was sort of, they were really sort of rocked and it was they were really panicking. And then 30 seconds later, Potts goes and lashes that one in. So... It was just unbelievable, weren't it? I mean, I don't. I think it's 18 minutes from goal one to goal four, but I'm not yeah. sure what goal one to goal three was. But all happened so quickly, and never saw it happening. To be honest, at half time, couldn't couldn't see us doing something like that. I didn't think we had it in. We had it in us. So, yeah, that was a that was a good moment. Jim, I think for me it was putting them three away wins in a row together for the first time since 2019. Um, when we went on that magical run of winning six away games on the bounce. Um, I think it's that little bit of momentum away from home um, that we need because obviously the home form's lacking. So actually putting a bit of a run together when our away form last season was a bit shit at times, let's be fair. It wasn't great. Um, I think that really puts us in good stead for the month ahead, hopefully. Yeah. I think for me, it was it was Brentford away. Just the whole thing, just a, a good day. Like you said, George, it was just something that you couldn't really see happening at half-time and then 18-minute spell and you, you're winning 4-2 and obviously finish the game winning 4-2. It's, yeah, what, what more can you ask for, really? Um, Ollie, worst moment of the month? Gary Gardner's header yesterday for me. Um just extremely deflating because I, I, I didn't think we'd lose the game. Even even at 1-1 when Hughes went down, I didn't really think we'd lose the game. So to concede so late on and then the shitstorm that's come after it on Twitter, I think that takes the biscuit for me. Yeah, it was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't really just know. a bad moment, weren't it? Just, yeah, it wasn't wasn't <laughs> wasn't pleasant really. And just a bit of a shit night, to be honest. But hey ho, um, George. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, Cardiff was disappointing. So was Millwall. But you know, you, you knew they were going to be tough games. And like the lads have already said, I, I, at half time on Saturday, on Saturday, I, I thought the game was just there for us to go and win. And I thought I thought we would do. Um, the chances came along, and then. Just from Fisher going off, it was like a sort of building falling down. He goes off. Rudd looks like he's going to be possibly out for months. Thankfully, he isn't. Hughes then can't walk, um, playing with you know a back three, um, and then you just sort of just sort of came to my mind. Just don't lose this. Like you probably, if it was a, if it had gone normal the second half, deserve to win it. But don't don't lose it because you know five is going to make it five unbeaten, and it's just going to get more negative from there, and then. The header goes in, Neil boots his water bottle and it's just a rubbish result, wasn't it? Um, yeah. It's really sort of poor result. <laughs> no other way to sort of climb right. over. Can't be dressed up really, can it? No. Jim? Last 20 minutes yesterday. 
can't not not the whole game because can't say the whole game was poor. But last twenty minutes, horrible. When that goal goes in, it's just didn't deserve it. That's that's the issue. So yeah. I I had McGree's opener for Birmingham yesterday. I thought it was just a comedy of errors from from start to finish. Um, but in all honesty, the whole the whole thing, the whole day, just yeah, not good. And and like you said, compounded by that that last twenty minutes and Gary Gardner's goal, it's yeah, make it's it two one, mate. Make it two one. We're, we're having a completely different podcast now. Yeah, hundred percent or Barkley's chance. So I, I don't think the whole game was poor because as soon as we equalised, we're the better team. No, so, just the the just the whole day. In all honesty, um, wet as well, wasn't it? it Don't know. Yeah, still wet now. Wait <laughs> a minute, it's horrible. Game of the month, Ollie. Got to be the Brentford game for me. I just thought I was really excited going into it because got a lot of respect for how Brentford play football. Love Ivan Tony. Love Thomas Frank. Love Josh De Silva. Great bit of movement for their two goals clinical and then we didn't really change much tactically I think going Jensen went off for them and I think it sort of changed the game um, or was it Norgard I think it might have been Norgard, Norgard. went off um, yeah. yeah Jensen came on didn't he Jensen came on yeah that changed the game and then four goals in the second half cracking game I thought it was just high quality game of championship football I think best game probably of the month for me fair enough George yeah, I don't think you can disagree with that, really. I mean, Huddersfield and QPR are very good results. I thought QPR, this was sort of a job done kind of night. Two penalties without being spectacular. Um, and then if you, if there wasn't the Brentford game, Huddersfield was a great game for a neutral. It was The second half was, was brilliant. The way Huddersfield sort of went about it and through the kitchen sink, sort of forgot defending, just sort of went for it. Um, I mean, how we didn't kill them off, actually, in that second half, I'm not quite sure, but there was one one time where we had sort of five running in the box unmarked. There was literally no defenders anywhere. Maybe one who didn't score. But no, Brentford was Brentford was the best game last month. It was unbelievable. Really couldn't couldn't see it happening. Um, yeah, obviously it's been a while since we beat them, hasn't it? Isn't it? So makes it that extra extra bit special. Yeah, Jim. I don't think you can look past the Brentford game, can you? But like George just mentioned, then honourable mentions Fieldersfield. You know, first one there in. 20 odd years mm. um, well nearly 30 years in 1992 um, QPR as well I thought it was a, I thought it was a complete performance from us you know solid defensively you know clean sheet return of DJ first start for Emil Reese. it was just one of those nights where everything sort of went to plan you know and the two penalties that we got were, were more than deserved and you know until they've hit the post in the 94th minute they've not really looked like threatening you know, Dex made a good save in the first half. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Brentford, but I think the other two away games as well, you've got to give enormous credit to North End for. Yeah, I had. For me, it was Huddersfield. Um, obviously, you've, you've all mentioned Brentford. Um, Jim, you've just touched on QPR as well, but I thought just Huddersfield on the whole had everything really. Um, and like you said, George, how we didn't sort of pick them off and it didn't sort of finish maybe 4-1 or yeah. maybe even 5-1. They had a good chance to it be was... there at the end they hit the post, didn't they? I don't... Yeah, Pippa hitting the post. Yeah. I was going to say it could have ended 2-2 quite easily, couldn't it really? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. 
just an exciting game, really. Yeah, it was. Like, it, was. I, 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 it finished and I felt like I'd been playing. Yeah. Like up and down off my seat, jumping up and down and shouting at the TV. It's probably the most animated I've been since lockdown, uh, as far as football's concerned. Yeah. On that, Jake, you've got to look at what Huddersfield did as well because they they went for it as well. So it wasn't just, yeah. it, you know, it was two teams. That, it was like two heavyweight boxes really going. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. Just a, as a, hot, as a complete package, I thought it had everything. Yeah. And there's not a lot of teams that will do that to us this year. You know, you look at the 46 games we're going to play. I'd probably say less than less than half a dozen are going to be like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ollie, goal of the month? Uh, tree. <laughs> No contest, is there really? Not really, no. Thought of some some decent goals. Think Sinclair took his second goal really well at Brentford. George has mentioned Potts' goal, decent goal. Um, but yeah, unbelievable strike. I'm going to assume that Jimmy and George, you've both got Stockley as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you can. Don't think anyone will dispute that, will they? I think Brown does a good finish at Huddersfield as well, where he's back to goal. But yeah. Can't really beat a thirty-yard volley into the top corner, can you? And I, I think the fact it was Stockley—I mean, I, I know he's not completely useless with his feet. You know, he is quite a nifty player, and if you get it into him at times. But I mean, it was—it was more amazement really for me when it hit the top corner. Um, bit of relief as well. Um, <laughs> it was an unbelievable goal, really. I mean, he'd probably never do it again, really. Um, no. And it's a shame it didn't count for anything, to be honest. Uh, I thought it was a weird one because I thought it was, the ref was going to give a foul me. Like, it was, I was weird. convinced. Like, yeah, it, it just seemed seemed to, to kind of stop, the game seemed it? to stop, didn't it? Yeah, it was weird. I thought he was kicking the ball away. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Look, well, you Honestly. look at the replay, you look at Etheridge, and he's sort of like, he's yeah. like, do I, do I try and save it? Do I not? What's going on? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I've just put a Stotley, although I'm not sure if he actually meant it. Because I'm not, I, I think he's kicking ball away. Uh, he's just, he managed to pick up <laughs> in. <laughs> no, I think he has meant it. Like it's unbelievable. If he's not meant it, it's still unbelievable technique, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've got Stockley as well. I, I had a notable mention for Sinclair's first at Brentford. Thought that was just a, a, a nicely worked goal. Obviously, with Pat wandering up into the Brentford half, and um, in fact, actually watching on the replay, you can Pat sort of like gesturing at someone. I can only assume when it, the way that he's going that it's Rafferty, sort of like telling him to fucking get up the pitch and then obviously Brown holds up waits for him mm. uh, and he floats it in for Pat to head back across and it's just a really nice finish from Sinclair left foot first time and obviously got us back into the game yeah but yeah tree absolutely absolutely just on that as well Ollie you you were quite quick to reference the similarities to Joe Garner um, oh, come on it's leagues apart Absolutely. Oh, just in terms of no, 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 no. In terms of technique, volleying technique. Most look at the pictures, Jimmy. Almost identical. It was thought that live when I saw it. Volleying technique. Yeah, I know. But look, look. That that is completely different. I've got it on my wall, by the way. Do not be able to hear this on a podcast? But straight, that, straight leg. They straight can leg, hear it on the thump. podcast. They won't be able to see it. They won't be able to see it. So yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a straight leg volley. But that, come on. Joe was to flick it over someone's head, chested it down, and then volleyed it. Not just hit it, you know. Like oh, we're not, we're not, we're not referencing that goal in no. particular. Just, just, just technique, technique in general. 
even so, down to even down to having both of them having their thumbs in like that, which is just bizarre. I get that. Same but... boots as well. Well, near enough. Oh, come same on. colour. Mm. Identical. Yeah, Jim, don't don't worry. We're not we're not comparing Stockley's no, but... goal to. Someone had said it on Twitter. Someone had said that it was as good as Garner's goal. And oh. I, honestly, I had to put him on mute because I'm not seeing that sort of stuff on Twitter. <laughs> Slanderous, that. Uh, last one, then. Player of the month. Who have you, who have you gone, gone for, Ali? Brownie. Um, I think he's played every minute. Only player, I think, to have played every minute. Um, played at wing back. Played as a six. Played as a bit of an eight, and then obviously played as a ten. Um, just shows what he's about. I think he's actually putting some decent performances as well. Um, should have scored twice yesterday, but took his two goals at Huddersfield really well. Yeah, shows you what he's about, and I think he's just an honest player, Brownie. I don't think he'll. I think he's come out yesterday. He's been really honest about the performances, um, and yeah, I think he does struggle a bit from deeper, but. He just never hides, and I think Alex Neil just um, probably blindsided a bit by Brown because he just can't drop him. Um, yeah. I think it's been his blind spot since he signed, since he joined Alex Neil. He just loves Alan Brown, and probably to Brown's detriment at times, you know. But he just gets on with it, and I think he has been he has been decent this month. Yeah, George, who, who have you got? Who was your player of the month? Yeah, I, I agree with Ollie. I think Brown, um, I think Sinclair sort of stole the show at Brentford, but Brown was very good there. Um, I don't think anyone stood out against Millwall or Cardiff at home from what I can remember. Um, Brown won us the game at Huddersfield. Um, and then I thought he was probably one that one of the few that, that sort of stood out against Birmingham as well. Um, good to see him back in the sort of number 10 role, thriving again. Um, you know, I think he's gone with Brown yesterday instead of Johnson up there, and sort of reflection of Brown's performances recently. Um, no, it's, this is last month as well, but I thought he sort of we slowly started to see the best of him at Norwich. I thought he was very good there. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think many people have stood out to be fair over in the last month, but Brown, I just looked through my ratings, and he was sort of a consistent seven or seven or eight. So, yeah, good to have him. Back and uh, back playing well again, and hopefully get his uh, contract sorted ahead of January. Because I think of the four, I think Brown is probably the the most likely to to sign on. I don't know if you the guys agree with that, but yeah, I, yeah. I have a feeling that he'll be the one. If I had to say to one, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Alex Neal's made it quite public as well as in the past week or so about him wanting to yeah. be tied down. So, Captain yeah, yesterday. I, I, yeah, Captain had a galley as well, which is a bit of a sign for me. You know, he, he, he trusts him, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, he's, he got my vote as well for Player of the Month. Um, obviously, two goals, six 90-minute appearances, three bookings as well. Good to see him doing the dirty side of the game. You know, <laughs> Huddersfield game when he's just had that lad down quite cynically to stop him getting through. Like that. Love that all day long. Um, so, yeah, Sinclair was the only one that got close. You know, three goals. Um, but obviously didn't play a minute yesterday. Um, but ne- yeah, with Alan Brown, though, didn't he? To be fair, who didn't? Well, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Who didn't need a rest after after the Millwall game? You know, because we, we do look a bit out on our feet um, at the minute. But you know, Alan Brown, twenty five years old, Island international, 
you know, captain of our club at the minute. You know, let's just hope we can get him tied down on a on a long term deal because he could have his best years of his career here, and that's yeah, what we all want to see. Absolutely, I, I went I went Brown as well, but it was a close one for me between him and Emil Reese. I think, yeah, he's not been here for the whole month. He's played what two full nights and two sub appearances. But I think to to come in as he has, um, he's been in and out of the country to start with and then to put in the two performances where he started like he did, I thought, yeah, very, very impressed with him early doors and and, and an honourable mention. But I I did did go with Alan Brown in the end. Yeah, nice for him after the bit with Ireland as well where he got a load of rubbish for for whatever reason. Um, Yeah. confidence, Confidence could easily have sort of took a knock with that. But don't seem like that sort of lad, to be fair. I don't think he's... And I think he does sort of look at things on social media more than maybe others, but doesn't seem the sort of character that will let that get to him. him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was so funny that, because I think he actually had his best game in an Ireland shirt that night. I watched it and he was top class. Yeah. Obviously yeah. missed a penalty, but... Changed the game when he yeah. came on for him, didn't he? He's just a brave player me for me. He just sums up what we're about under Alex Neil, I think. Yeah. I think I what just... he said after the game as well was really key. You know, the fact that he'd rather take the flak rather than one of his teammates for missing the penalty. Yeah. You know, I think it, it's things happens. like that that the, the reason why he's the captain as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the Irish the Irish fans had a go at him, but it was Matt Doherty that missed the penalty to keep him in it. You know, they fit, Yeah, he missed one Alan, as well, didn't he? Yeah. he? He missed the one that actually sealed the result. So, you know, they all had a pop at Alan Brown, but they're not gonna pop at, at Doherty. It's mm. just you know, it's, it's just, just Tottenham Bunny. That's the thing, you know I, I felt for Brownie because, you know, like, like I just said then, he's putting probably the best game he's ever played in an Ireland shirt and then gets that sort of grief. It's just wrong. But yeah. that's the uh, the fickleness of social media and football fans, unfortunately. Yeah, it's not just North End fans. It's not just North End fans. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what you said before is really key because people now in lockdown, they've got nothing else to moan about, have they? They can moan about the politics of government and all that sort of stuff. That's for another podcast. But... You know, football, because you're watching it on a, on a screen, you're going to be more vocal with your your sort of your opinions and like what you think. And there's no filter on social media, unfortunately. You know, so people just say exactly what they think and quite often they're probably wrong. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's just sad really, like having a pop at players like that, you know, when there's probably no, well, there is no need the majority of the time. They're yeah. going to know they're not putting a shift in. It's like what we said about the goldfish story before, you know, forgetful. It's just, you know, there's probably no need for me to call him a goldfish, but it's one of them things where you can have an opinion, aren't you? So Everyone's got one. Yeah. What's yeah. the saying? Opinions are like arseholes. Everyone's got one, but no one wants to hear it no all the time. See, see it all the time, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Moving on. Moving on from arseholes and on to Reading. Um, Ollie, I know you've got quite a bit for this, so I'll, I'll let you take it away. 24th in the league for shots, Reading. Um, Wickham have had more shots. Rotherham have had more shots. Um, they've had 70 shots. So I can't work it out because I think they've won seven Drawn one, lost one. Obviously lost on Friday against Coventry. Not sure if any of you boys saw it. It was on Sky. 
they're just, I don't know, they're just a weird side. Like, you've got some good attackers, obviously, Lucas Zhao, I think he scored six goals. Mighty, however you say his name, has caused us problems in the past. I think he scored four. Um, you got a lad called Elise, who's put in about 40 crosses this season, left-footed. He uh, looks like quite a good player as well. Um, but they, just, they look quite solid. they got Moore and Morrison at the back. And they got Laurent and Rinomota as a double pivot ahead. Um, both of those midfielders have made more than 20 tackles each, I think. Um, so I think they're very athletic in transition. Um, but they don't look a great side to me. But the, the, the mile's clear at, at the front. So they've won every home game and they don't cost either a goal yet. Um, so it's obviously it's a massive, massively difficult task. Um Alex Neal's never won there as he, I don't think, for us. No, normally got, it's got, come after an international break as well. Well, recently it has. Yeah, they got they got Ajaria, who's missed the last couple, and Jonathan Swift, who's a good player as well. Omar Richards getting a lot of good reviews at, at left-back. So, And I think they got the best keeper in the league, by the way, Raphael in that. I think he's a, a very decent um, all-round goalkeeper. So it'll be tough to break them down, I think. Um, but yeah. Away form is very good and we are a decent side. But for me, the only concern is, I think it's probably the sixth game in 18, 19 days or something like that. And I think walking wounded last 10 against um, Birmingham. So I'm not sure what he's going to do with his squad. But it's a winnable game for me. Even though, obviously, the miles ahead, I think the four points ahead of Swansea. It's a winnable game. Yeah, I think you know for them to be top of the league with two eighteen-year-olds on the side deserves a lot of credit. Um, you know, in terms of Elise and then Estevez, the right back. Yeah, um, looks very good. Uh, in by the way, he's on loan, isn't he? From is it Porto or Benfica? He's on loan from one of the big. Port, yeah, it's Porto. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they deserve a lot of credit. Obviously, they changed the manager um, in the summer. Um, no, I'm going to try and pronounce his name because I'm, you know me, I'm not great with pronunciations at the best of times. Go on. Poundovich? Yeah, that's what yeah. I heard. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'll I take, heard. I'll take that all day long. I'll take what you um, can get, pal. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but um, yeah, obviously it's made a big difference um, to the, their style of play. Someone said they're ruthlessly efficient in terms of, so when they're actually having a shot on goal, they're making it count. Mm. Um they're massively outperforming XG um, at this moment in time. But they've got a good squad. You know, yeah. you look through their squad on paper and it's decent, you know, for them to have the four, stri- four forwards of Sonny Aluko, Sam Balder, Lucas Jow, and then it's George Puskas um, that scored 12 goals last season for them, um, which is more than any of our strikers. Says quite a bit. Yeah. Um, obviously, Sonny Aluko went out to China um, for a team that's linked to the owners, from what I heard on Price of Football, um, for a massive loan fee, conveniently, to um, get around FFP. Um, so it's interesting to see him back in the team now as well. Been around the block a bit as well, hasn't he? Yeah, 31. Not exactly a prolific goal scorer, but he's Decent player experienced, for experienced yeah. at this level, isn't he? Yeah. So. Um, I, I think, think it'll be a good game because they're going to attack. You know, they they're yeah. going to they're going to go after. You know, they're going to go after the game. So it's one of those games where I look at it on paper and thinking, 
this is a chance. I know they're top of the league. I know they they've got twice as many points as us at this moment in time, but it's a chance for us. This you don't I look think... at it, you don't look at the game and think, oh, we could get pasted here. We're playing top of the league, do you? I think we could easily get pasted, me. Oh, um... <laughs> <laughs> what a poorly timed comment. No, I just think I'm just worried about this one because they're so dangerous in attacking transitions. Uh, and I think it's two sides who, if you make the game open, they're probably going to be a lot more clinical, like Jimmy says. They've overperformed their XG. But a big reason that you can do that is if you've got clinical strikers who score. I think Lucas Shaw scored six goals from nine shots on target or something like that. But yeah. Um, you could say it's unsustainable, but it is very efficient. So I just worry about us going into this one with just the energy thing, the energy piece for me. I don't know how you feel about it, George, but. I just think it might just be we might just want the international break now rather than these next two games. Yeah, I think the team will be interesting because I don't think anyone really knows what it's going to be. Um, yeah, I don't know where the two bends are. I'll be honest. The last last week he's sort of been saying, "Yeah, they're not far away. They're in contention." I haven't seen them at any games. Never mind on pitch. Never not even seen them at stand or anything. So, well, on the opposite side of Deepdale, to be fair, so they might be there watching, but. You sort of your guess is as good as mine to me if they're going to come back in or not. Um, I think it'd be a massive boost if both of them will would were to come back in. Because um, I think if we've, like you said before, last few games slowly started to see uh, how valuable they can be, um, Davis especially. Um, Didn't yeah. you say recent last week that one of the Bens was due to be back out on the grass or something in a press conference? Yeah, it was one of the Bens, he said. He wouldn't say which one, but... Yeah. That was before Millwall, um, but That'd neither be it, yeah. have obviously been on the bench on Saturday. So, bit of a strange one. I'm not, mm. not too sure. I know a bit of talk that Pearson might be out for a while. Um, if that is the case, I'm not sure why they wouldn't come out and just say that. Because no, no point keeping everybody in the lurch, but I have to see. Uh, I, I think Davis never really has in the past, has he? Never really put a timeline on anything like injuries-wise in the past. No, to be fair, I mean, we, it took a week to find out what Davis is supposedly not was. I mean, he said it's his ankle. Um, so, I think there was a bit of talk he was playing with an injury for a while anyway, wasn't there? Um, so, not, not not sure how true that was. But, but yeah, Reading, Reading, I think, will be, a, will be a tough game. I think Andy from the BBC, as I said, on went there Saturday, oh, I were Reading the other night and he said they had four shots on target and scored them all. So, um, yeah, I think Jao has always been a good player, to be fair. I've always sort of liked him Um he obviously paid a lot for him, didn't he? But yeah, I think he's a, he's a pretty top striker, to be fair. They've got six players that have started every game for them this season. So they're quite consistent with their team lineup. And then obviously you've got Michael Elise, who's started eight of the nine games. Lucas Jow started seven of the nine games. So Alex Neal probably knows what to expect on Wednesday. Um He'll have studied them in depth, as he always does with every opposition, so I'm pretty sure he'll have a plan in place. I think where Reading might struggle this season is when they're having to use their squad players rather than their first 11. Uh, a bit like where we're at now as a squad, where we're having to use that's probably the 25. Um, and let's be honest, probably 22, maybe 23 of them will have at least been the, a squad this season so far for us. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's when they're going to probably come unstuck a little bit. Hopefully, they come unstuck again on Wednesday. Um, it's probably a good time to play them because they're going to want to try and prove a point. 
and Alex Neil likes going after teams when they're coming after us. So it might be a it could be one of them. It could end three apiece on on Wednesday. It could end three nil either way. So yeah, I think um, that the, they're going to rotate their attackers quite a lot. I think the centre backs and the double pivot and the keeper obviously have started every game. I think they can be a bit interchangeable ahead of that. So Ajaria can come back in. Swift, Maite, Lucas, Shao, Samedo, Elise. Um, you know they have got decent options there. I think so. Swift has scored against us before, and he scored a few times, two or three yeah. times. I think. Yeah, good player. Yeah. So I think they have got a decent attacking depth. In fairness, be a tough game for us. I think it's one step too far, probably. Yeah, he's missed last seven, hasn't he? Swift the yeah. injury. Yeah. Sam Baldock's injured as well at the moment, so we just wait and see. Obviously. Yeah, the lad Puskas came off the bench on Friday night to score. So, yeah. yeah, I've got a little bit of depth. Don't get me wrong. I'm just thinking when, you know, times yeah. do hit them hard, then have they got the strength to be able to compete in the top six? And they probably haven't when you look at the quality that's up there. Yeah. I think that both both sides play 4-2-3-1 as well. Um, so it might just come down to who's got more energy or whatever. And they've had an extra day. Obviously, they go on Friday to Wednesday. So yeah. they'll probably be a bit fresher and he got a bit more rotation ability as well, I think. Yeah. Red in predictions then. What are you saying, Ali? Uh go two one Reading. George? Uh go two two. Jimmy? Yeah, I was gonna say two two. I'll go two one north end. I just think it's gonna be an open game. It'd be great for the neutral to watch, you know, seven o'clock kickoff, so you know, people can probably watch the first half before they switch over to the Champions League. What have, have you? And yeah, hopefully they stick and watch North End for the full game rather than watching that. So, do we know if it's on the red bottom? By the way, yeah, all mid leagues so. are. All oh, right, should so. be. Yeah, yeah. So me another tenner then. Be interesting how that's going, by the way, because obviously I know North End don't publish the live follower figures. I've seen Andy Holt put his out this week, and they're a bit mixed. That's probably the best way to describe it. I know it's a smaller club in Accrington, but, you know, I think Bolton, when they played Bolton or someone like that, I forgot they played, they played the biggest team. Um, and they got like two and a half thousand like, people from the opposition subscribing. So, it'd be interesting how it's going. Mm. Yeah, it's probably somewhere we're never going to see though, is it? Of course not. <laughs> it's, just, it's just something that's like, crops into my mind. Um, but, yeah, well, unless any of you boys have got anything else you want to add, then we can wrap that up. No. Jimmy, George? No, all good, mate. Yeah, thanks for having us on. I'll uh, see you uh, in a month's time. Yeah, much appreciated. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us. And thank you for listening to episode 13 of the From the Finney podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, whether you want to or not is a different matter, but if, if you haven't and you want to, you can support From the Finney with a, a one-off donation. Uh, if you're a small business or you want something plugging on the podcast, let us know in the message as well when you when you make the donation and we can sort that out. So yeah, if you want to support the, the podcast, you can go to supporter.acast.com forward slash from the finny. It's massively appreciated. And thank you very much, fellas. Much appreciated. Nice one, lads. See you Wednesday. Yep, yeah, see you Wednesday. And George, we'll see you in a month. Yeah, nice one, lads. Cool. Take care.